Welcome to the Conquering Misdirection Podcast, where we sit down and have a conversation with the blind. As a visually impaired person myself, I look forward to listening to the different stories and experiences from the visually impaired and blind community. Through each episode, I hope that this podcast can unveil some of the realities of living with a disability and hopefully change the perception that comes with being blind and visually impaired. Hi, Christopher. Hey, Jesse. How are you doing today? Doing well. So um, what have you been doing this week, I guess? Uh, this week, I have been catching up on work after the, uh, I think we had, I've been getting ready for a move that I've had coming up. So I've been catching up on my work schedule. I've been, I went, mm-hmm. I had a buddy in town. So I went on my tandem bicycle with him uh, yesterday. I helped a buddy move uh wow. a couple days uh actually i had two two friends who were moving um just staying busy with life here in indianapolis yeah that's a lot of moving well the first time i met you i felt like it was at nfbeq right mm-hmm. at the summer camp in 2019 and that camp was like really fun for me because like I I got to like for the first time I got to meet a lot of blind people and other visually impaired people and it was just like a good opportunity to get connected and I was wondering like how how do you come to participate in the NFB EQ program so I guess the first question is, what is the NFBEQ program? Yeah. And that is an extension of the National Federation of the Blinds uh, STEM programs, which they've had for a couple, for about over 10 years now, uh, continuously. And um, the organization that I mentioned there is called the National Federation of the Blind. We are the largest uh, and oldest organization of blind people for blind people so we are the voice for the organized blind um, people in the united states who are working together to um Mm -hmm. just to build our just to build our 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 capacity as a community and to um, protect our rights as a community Mm -hmm. so anyway that all is background um i got involved with the earlier versions of the STEM program called STEM X, Mm. um, which were back in 2013 and 2014 is when I got started mentoring. I was a college student at the time and I was wanting the opportunity to mentor and to be mentored. And I found that the opportunities that the NFB put together for blind high school students was a really great opportunity to learn how to be a mentor. So I wanted to get involved and that's where I started. That's awesome, man. I, you have a history with mentoring people, I guess. And personally, I'm really new to the NFB being part of the NFB NFB and uh, knowing people from there. And I was just wondering, what is one thing that you most enjoy about the NFB? There are so many things I couldn't put into yeah, you're pick one just thing. one thing. Yeah, yeah, that's hard. That's like picking. That's 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 hard. That's hard. So I would say a couple of things that come to mind are mm-hmm. that the federation has been around for so long and is a beacon of 
how to see yourself as an independent blind adult in the in our culture. Um, I think that the NFB has the most positive and the most optimistic view of what blind people and what the blind community is and can become. And I think I love that. I just love grabbing onto that and learning how to have a better view of myself as a blind person. I think that's maybe one of the most important things. I think the other one of the other most important things about the NFB for me is cool people. You get to meet so many cool people, so many incredible blind uh, individuals who are just unique in their own way and are leaders in their own way. Um, so I love, I love the people and I love the, um, the philosophy of independence. Yeah. So NFB is for sure a really important organizations. I feel like for the blind and visually impaired people community and actually let's kind of switch, switch it up a little bit here. You mentioned like how you were moving and how you were helping other people moving and how is it like moving is it like difficult for you do you enjoy it or is it like do you mean like moving from one house to another yeah like i don't know what you're doing this time but like just moving in general yeah yeah well i've moved a lot when i was young so i have a lot of experiences with moving everywhere from just around this just around the corner to the other part of the county to moving across countries to moving across continents or multiple from multiple continents. So, um, I, I've moved a lot. I've probably moved 20 times in my life. I was a military brat of a sort growing up. Mm -hmm. My dad is German. My mom's American. So we grew up in Germany and the U S and Canada. Mm -hmm. So I moved around a lot. Um, I think that definitely made in me a certain amount of, I think it definitely helped me to be more aware of myself and others in my environment and become more uh, aware of diversity um, and different backgrounds. Um, But yeah, I don't know, man, moving itself. I mean, when I was young, (laughs) I think it helped, you know, it was, it was kind of fun Um, I think now it's stressful as an adult, you have to arrange all the details. I think when I was young, moving was a bit of an adventure. Um, It was, it was scary because we would often have to change schools, but you know, there were, there were good things about it that like, like I said, you made new friends Mm -hmm. and um, I, I loved, I loved it. But yeah, really I've been, I've been in the same place now for four years and Mm -hmm. I'm, uh, actually really looking forward to this upgrade. I'm, I'm moving in with an old buddy of mine who I've known for years, good friend. And, um, it's, uh, it's got a, uh, it's just going to be a really nice house. <laughs> I mean, a house beats an apartment any day, I guess. And I mean, personally, I've also moved quite a lot and I've also moved to another continent before, like to Asia, Hong Kong, more specifically when I was, third grade so it's it was for three years and a thing that I got from there like it was since I was around people that looked more like me and there weren't a lot of diversity there there was like a stronger sense of nationalism that I got from that and also I really liked the pace of life since it was since Hong Kong is such a small area so it's like city pace so it's really fast paced and you're in the middle of things 
and I, I really like that kind of lifestyle. And I mean, like, yeah, moving is a really uh, stress, stressful thing, especially once you uh, are later in your life. And speaking of moving, I'm about to move into my dorm room in college. And it's pretty Congrats. Stressful. Oh, thanks, man. It's like my mom is constantly yelling at me saying like you have to prepare everything you, you know you know like you gotta put everything in containers and i'm just like you know sometimes you just gotta enjoy the moment not trying to be too stressful and hey listen to your mom if she's telling you to get those bags packed you better be ready yeah i it is a good advice to have that's my camp counselor that's my camp counselor coming out on you yeah, I'll I'll keep that in mind next time. Well, not next time, this time. <laughs> uh, right. So, since I'm about to go to college, uh, what? Since you've been to college, I bet like you've attended college or you've studied some. Yep. Right? What aspects of college that you really liked? Sure. So first of all, I will tell you, I studied public and nonprofit management with a with a minor in German and I had concentrations in business and entrepreneurship. So um, I have a wide range of experience with um, like the things that I took away from school were not just the four years, but also living and working abroad for a year mm-hmm. um, and doing uh, multiple other projects along the way. So I think for me, I made the most of, I think that I made the most of my college every year just by looking for opportunities and looking for ways to stay engaged. Um, I received an award called some, uh, called the top 100 award for IUPUI, which is the university, the campus of IU where wow. I went. So, um, so out of the 30,000 body student body i i would have been like one of the i was the one of the 100 that were selected for this prize or this award which recognized academics and mm-hmm. community engagement research and volunteerism so um it was a really good award and it really capped off my career as a as an undergraduate student um and i guess i would just say for you as you're moving into your into your dorm situation, yeah. just look to friends where you, as every moment as, uh, is an opportunity to meet new people, not just in your first year, your second year, but all the way through to your third and fourth year. I made some really good friends in my third and fourth year who I'm really grateful for. Um, let's see. Um, I think that, I think that you'll find ways to stay busy. So I'm not worried about yeah. you I'm not worried. I wouldn't be worried about anyone doing that, but I think it's, it's just such an opportunity to broaden your horizons and, and learn how to grow as a person. So take hold of it. Yeah. You mentioned uh, you got the award for top 100 students in your university. Uh, I was kind of mm-hmm. interested, like, what is it like to receive that award? Was it like uh, recognition mm-hmm. or just like uh I don't know how to put this, but like you're, they're like congratulating you because you've done something great for your abilities, Mm -hmm. not because you were blind and then you had, you know, do you know what I mean? Sure. I, 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 I had, 
um, some, I, I had a lot of feelings about the top 100 award. I was really grateful for the honor and for the distinction of representing a large group of people here in Indianapolis and just being recognized for working hard. I think I was really grateful for that. I was, um, I, I was able to use that as an opportunity to speak about mm-hmm. um, just how great, just how uh, important mentors had been in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that I talked about my spiritual community, kind of my religious, my religious tradition that I come from and how that had been a source of strength for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, I think that I, re- I felt some, uh, a little bit of mixed feelings about my blindness and the whole thing, because I wondered if my blindness had been a one reason among others, why I got the award. And I just had to resign myself to the fact that, well, regardless of if it was a factor in my consideration, I think my, my Mm -hmm. merits alone award, uh, or my, yeah, I think that my merits, um, for the in my that were in my application deserved the application or deserved the award so um i don't know i i I think in in hindsight i look back at it and it's it's a really positive experience i i remember the award ceremony getting to have this table of eight or nine of my um mentors and Mm -hmm. uh professional uh professional advisors you know i got i got to sit with them all around one table and some of them were people i had known for i have known for 10 or 12 years some of them were people i've only known for a year or two Mm -hmm. so i think um that was a really unique experience for me that i that i'm really happy i have yeah like that is one area that i also struggle with like i getting certain awards just because uh is it because of my ability or there was something also involved within the the application but i know that if i put in the work uh i put in the certain amount of time into uh that particular thing i know in the end that Mm -hmm. it's going to be based off of my ability not because of something you know physical that i have and Right. And, and, and that points to another factor, which is that you don't always have to incorporate your blindness into your applications. Mm-hmm. You can actually just apply and leave that out. Now, it, sometimes it's important to be strategic and to incorporate it. So it just yeah. really depends on, on what, you're, what you're looking for with that particular application. Um, now, unfortunately or fortunately, whatever it, it might be, when a blind person shows up for a job interview or an application yeah. or an interview for a scholarship or what have you, we don't typically get to hide the fact that we're mm-hmm. blind. We, are very, we have to be very open because it's a very yeah. visible dis- disability. So mm-hmm. I think that's an interesting part of the blind experience that not a lot of people think about is that we don't get to hide our blindness the way that some people can hide other disabilities. Yeah. And I think that that forces us to have to reckon with it in a different way. I think we have to almost face it a little bit more um, head on in, um, in a way. 
um, which yeah. creates more perseverance. I think that makes more perseverance for us. Yeah, I uh, totally agree with you. Uh, from my experience, when I think it was during the summer of 11th grade or sometime during 11th grade, I was trying to do a kind of internship interview uh, part of this program that was called the Plano Mayor Internship Program. And that time I had no knowledge of disclosing my own disability since I was so new. Uh, like my eyes, they got bad when I was in 11th grade. So that's why at that time I just had like a couple months to really grasp how to like disclose my disability, which I basically had no wow. experience with. So once right. I walked in there, uh, they asked me like, oh, how are you doing? Are you fine? And then like, since I did such a poor job of disclosing my disability, my second uh, internship interview, the whole interview was about my disability, not about my abilities. So I've uh, put in a lot of thought and kind of thought more about it and said that, you know what, like once they focus on your condition, you should redirect them towards what your abilities are on your resume, because that's what they're trying mm -hmm. to hire you for. And it's kind of not fair that they have such a large distraction and it's your job to redirect them and showing that it's not your disability that's going to hinder you from using your abilities to, you know, do your job. So I, I'm kind of interested, what's your take on this? Oh, I think that's really well put. And I, even when you asked me specifically about the, t the top 100 award and my experience within, with regard to my blindness, even when I responded to that, you could tell uh, that I went back to my successes and mm -hmm. I went back to the things that I've accomplished, my merits, the things that I think I am proud of. Mm -hmm. And those things include my research background, the fact that I'm co-published or co-authored in, in a research publication. I look back at the grants that I w uh, was awarded. I look back at the fellowship that I did for the State Department of the United States in Germany for a year, the um, important work that we did to uh, to create a language program for German, uh, for uh, Syrian, Afghan, and Algerian refugees in Cologne in 2015. I, I look at all of those wow. things and I see successes. Yeah, I see successes and I see things that those are those are kind of the tip of the iceberg of things that I got to do while I was in college that are sort of like prominent things, but um, there was more. And um, I think just being grateful for those, because I've been grateful for those opportunities, I, I have a different outlook. And, um, and I think that that has helped me when people ask or challenge me to, I, you know, to, oh, maybe it's because you're blind or yeah. maybe you got that that recognition because of your blindness. You can go back to all the things you did and say, well, I did all those things while I was blind. Yeah. So what's your point? I've overcome blindness while doing those things. And that's a powerful place to be at. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like uh, accomplishing all those stuff is just like a um, affirmation or like, you know, it's like a statement to towards your perseverance of uh, personally, maybe it's in my case, like all the strings of failures that I experienced towards the beginning, 
just trying to figure it out. And also like having someone being a mentor is why it's so important because they show you the way. And I feel like you being a mentor to other people is a really important thing for, I guess, everybody or the blind community because uh, one thing that I was talking with my other other friend was about how there is, uh, when, when you go to certain organizations for the blind and visually impaired, they typically put you in a pool of other people. And since they have such a variance in, in terms of uh, different levels of blindness and visual impairment, it just becomes like the line becomes really blurred in terms of the most effective way to encourage or motivate a person. So I feel like mm. having a mentor at around the same visual impairment is so paramount mm-hmm. towards encouraging the next generation to, you know, push forth and say that, you know, we can do stuff that's not because we're visually impaired, but because of our own abilities. Sure. Yeah. And I think um, I see the value of mentoring in that I was mentored by others in the NFB and still continue to be mentored by others in the NFB and Mm -hmm. similar organizations. And that helps me, that's helped me to, um, to see more of my ability than other, than I realized I've had my best mentors are, have been the ones who look at me and point out some of my abilities and help me realize where I could be using those abilities better. And I have a lot of, I think there are a lot of us within the blind community, especially who have internalized ableism, who have Mm. internalized Mm -hmm. the negative and low expectations of people in the sighted community towards us as blind people. Yeah. So we need to overcome that and we need to be able to talk toward to push one another and to encourage one another to make the most of our own lives the way for for the time we have because we only have this one life each of us yeah so that you actually remind me of something that i wanted to address in this episode is uh i i think in the first episode i mentioned how uh something about normally sighted people and i thought that was a really bad characterization of i guess the sighted community or sighted people and it, it just really undermined blind and visually impaired people because that puts them as not normal and that's not what i was meeting i was just meeting the sighted community so uh let's move on and uh how is it like working at a university sure so i work at the university where i graduated or my alma mater Mm -hmm. which is indiana university and i work in the digital accessibility office Uh, i work as what's called an accessibility analyst so i work with a lot of different stacks of technology and making sure that they work for people with disabilities. So anything from uh, testing browser and screen reader combinations on websites to testing uh, magnification and color contrast tools on applications to running switch controls and learning how to use voice control for uh, new smartphone applications. So those are some of the different test cases that we would be involved in. That's all digital based accessibility work, not physical ADA accessibility ramps or, uh, or 
um, braille signage or mm-hmm. what have you, but really the digital side. And how is it working at a university? Well, I like it. Mm-hmm. I've been working here at IU. And as if you include my time as a student, I've been working at IU for about four or five years part-time. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you were to but I've not had a full-time job yet, so I can't speak to having a full-time job. I know there are really ben- there are some good benefits to having um, to working at a university. I know that they tend to have more vacation time. Um, the um, salary isn't going to be as high as working in the private sector or working yeah. for for-profit companies. But okay. I think you make up on some of that with the work-life balance and like I said, the vacation and, and, and other benefits, health benefits and whatnot. Also, sometimes you get tuition reimbursement as a full-time uh-huh. staff, which is really nice if you have wow. the desire to go back to school or you have children who can also benefit from a discount. So there are definitely benefits to working for, especially in this case, a public university. That sounds like such a cool job to have, like uh, being at a university and testing out all these new technologies for people. Do you have like any uh, uh, new, I don't know, what, what do they call it? A, a plug for new technology? <laughs> like, do are they creating some kind of new technolo- technology for us? Or is there sure. anything? Uh, I'm trying to think of some big changes recently that have been noteworthy. Well, uh, Google Chrome just included a new PDF accessibility tool within the web browser itself where you can actually upload PDFs and have them accessibly tagged from within Google Chrome. Wow. That's pretty impressive um, because Google Chrome has over a billion users. Um, So that's an interesting one recently. I'm trying to think of others. Um, I've been really grateful to see the changes that have been made to, or the, um, the, the, um, special deals that have been made for assistive technology during the coronavirus pandemic. So I think that companies like IRA and, uh, Vispero or freedom scientific, um, and, and similar organizations, I think that they've stepped up and given, um, you know, given back to the community in some ways by discounting or even making free licenses available of different software packages. Um, Those are some of the big things that come to mind for me right now, Jesse. That's awesome. Uh, Yeah. I mean, like technology is such, I've never really valued technology uh, since or before I became blind. And uh, ever since, I guess, I've you know, mm. I am kind of impressed with technology and the ways that they have accommodated us and, you know, helped me personally. And I guess with other people, because uh, without technology, I don't think I'll be in the place that I am currently now, you know, going to college and, you know, finishing with an IB diploma and all these other accomplishments. It's just because there's awesome people and, you know, providing the technology for me to succeed. So I'm, I'm just really impressed with, but can I push back on that just for one moment? Yeah. I I would, I would say that the technology has absolutely been useful and is, is a really important part of your tool set. But I would say don't that 
don't see that you are dependent on the technology to the to the limitation of your abilities so that so yeah. what i mean by that is uh in the blind community sometimes especially let's say um certain certain professions might say that um or certain certain blind people might even say that it's best to learn how to use a long white cane yeah. and to, to really get good at using the long white cane before you get too comfortable or too dependent on using GPS apps on your smartphone. Mm -hmm. So what, what you might hear behind that is it's better to be reliant on the least amount of technology and have the best skill set across the widest range of, of tools. And and that is kind of what I'm, I'm meaning when I push back on you a little mm -hmm. bit about the technology. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, like, yeah. if I am too dependent on technology, then it, it's going to be more like, uh, like the technology is, you know, helping me in some sort of way. And I, I understand, like, uh, definitely, like, maintaining yeah. that balance between uh, I guess it's a more a mental juggling between, um, you know, knowing yourself and also like being depending on uh, certain stuff to help you be e efficient. You also mentioned how you were, uh, you studied or had a degree in nonprofit and I'm kind of interested in that. And uh, mm. how's it like uh, working in a nonprofit organization or something in that area? Sure. Well, at the at the end of the day working in a nonprofit organization is a lot like working in a for-profit organization there are some some differences in terms of salary expectations in terms of work work life expectations um, that you might expect broadly but it's hard to compare one organization to another and mm -hmm. make make direct comparisons possible so I would say, first of all, broadly speaking, the nonprofit sector might not pay quite as much, but it will potentially give you um, a bit better work-life balance. Um, sometimes nonprofits do not provide as good of healthcare benefits, and but sometimes they do. If they're healthcare-oriented nonprofits, they may provide really good healthcare benefits. So it just really depends on the organization. Um, I think that really the, one of the big things to know about working for a nonprofit organization is that m most of what they do is, if not everything that they do is mission driven. Uh, so it really yeah. needs to be focused on the mission of the organization. So know the organization's mission, vision, and objectives. Those are really the biggest things you should know about an organization. If you're going to work for them, volunteer for them, uh, you know, be a member of that organization, you should know those things, the mission, vision, and objectives of the organization. Um, those are important. Um, I studied management. I studied public and nonprofit management, like I said, which is a, um, a combination of, of sectors, really. Yeah. It's the government and the nonprofit sector combined. Mm -hmm. um, I chose management because I was originally a business uh, uh yeah, business school student. And I really got burnt out on that for multiple <laughs> reasons, which I could talk about another time. 
Yeah. Anyway, I got into management and I loved it. I, I really enjoyed learning about the policy, the practices, uh, the, how organizations are structured. I loved learning about board politics. I enjoyed learning about the management science practices that you could use uh, you could use tools like Excel to do really clever things when you're trying to make complex decisions for organizations budgeting wasn't my favorite accounting wasn't my favorite but you know I've learned what I needed to learn and got good grades um, so you know I would recommend it I if you have a desire to do good in the community and a, and you're willing to work hard at uh, building an organization I think that maybe management is a good track. I think that if you're maybe sure, then just give it a try, do an internship, take yeah. a class and see where it goes. Yeah, nonprofit seems pretty fun to me. And uh, so the last thing I want to talk about is uh, you mentioned how business, you study business and in business, you have to form a lot of relationships and you know network. Uh, do networking and so forth. So um, I wanted to ask you about this thing. So what is the importance of connecting with other people? Because often visually impaired and blind people or even sighted people, they have a fear of putting themselves out there. So what are the benefits or what do you see about this connecting with other people? Uh, it's a broad topic. I, 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 I guess... I'm wondering where do you want to go with where do you want to go with that networking, in profession, in personal life. Um, what do you want to talk about? Um, do you want to talk about skills as a blind person? Yeah, like let's talk more about how like you know getting getting through that mental block and putting yourself out there. And I guess you can share some skills that some blind or visually impaired people can you know use to. Uh, have a m more seamless time of, you know, putting themselves out there? Sure. I think for one, having good blind, having a good community of blind friends and mentors, like we've said already, is really helpful. Um, I think that you need to look back and understand what you need to understand blindisms or things that are unique to you as a blind person that maybe are a bit uh, a bit idiosyncratic, mm -hmm. you might say. Uh, I would suggest that you learn what are the ways that maybe your blindness is perceived as um, is perceived by others who are sighted, yeah. which isn't always something you need to change. Sometimes blindness is perfectly fine. The, often so many times blindness is is just perfect the way it is and and should be should we should be accepted on terms of equality in the um uh in the larger sighted community but we don't we don't receive that opportunity um so i think that's one thing to consider yeah. um I, I think there's more to be said about how you um how you carry yourself carry yourself with integrity and 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 really um, see yourself as equal to your peers, that's really important when you get out into the sighted yeah. world. A lot of people will be expecting you, will be praising you for tying your shoes and walking out the door straight with, with, your, with yeah. your you know shirt on the right way. So, but don't give into that. Don't, mm -hmm. don't minimize your own expectations based on others. 
you know, continue to continue to look for your own successes and let that then drive your, your, your networking and let that drive your motivation to connect with others. Not, not just the things you want to do, but kinds of people you want to spend your time with, you know, Jesse, if you want to be somebody, if you want to be with certain types of people and, and spend your time with certain groups of people, then, you know, look for those kinds of friends and move in that direction and set yourself a goal. Um, I haven't talked about goal setting much, but I think that that is a really important, really useful tool um, that I personally don't do a very good job with. But if you can give me just a moment to plug goal setting, I think it's really good to have. I think it's really good to have a dedicated set of goals for each year and have five or you know, maybe, maybe three to five things you really want to work on each year and break those down over time. If you can into month by month goals or, or objectives, if you can, if you can't just keep a nice, keep a list and go back to it once a month and just check in with yourself. I think it's really important that you work to grow and that you change over, you know, that you really take charge of that growth as a person and I'm not saying that I do that well. Uh, personally, I'm, I'm like a year behind on my goals and I have barely been keeping up on some of them. But I've also, some of my goals I've really blown out of the water recently wow. and I've been really grateful for. So um, I just wanted to mention that to you. Yeah, that's, it's awesome. I just love what you just said, all of that. Like what you said there with mm. goal setting and how it's okay to you know not really care about the perceptions of how other people see you and i really like all of what mm-hmm. you said there and uh, a thought that just came to my head was uh, i saw somewhere online where you're the people that you hang out with like the five people you're you hang out with you're basically the average of those five people that you hang out with and that's really mm. interesting that you know, an interesting thought that went through my head. So, um, so we're nearing our end of, I guess, our podcast. And I really enjoyed our conversation today. And we got a lot of information. Absolutely. This was really good for me. It helped me kind of step back and think about some of my own drive and purpose. And I hope it was good for your listeners. And I hope that you're encouraged as well as you move forward into your first semester on campus yeah all right that's gonna be a wrap